Welcome back, everyone, to Seaweed Brain. It's the Blood of Olympus. Uh, right now, we've got a Piper episode coming up with a special Piper power-up, and we've got a brand new guest, so stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone, say hi to our brand new guest today, Martha. Hi, Martha. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. Also, are you wearing like a Snuggie? Because it looks so cozy. (laughs) I have not taken this thing off since I got it. Oh, It's like my uniform. Oh. (laughs) Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background with the books, why you're here on this earth. What's your purpose? (laughs) Oh my gosh, so many questions. My older brother is literally single-handedly responsible for my obsession with these books. He read them like a couple of years before me and he was like, Martha, you have to read them. Um, And I was like, okay, I guess I trust you. So then I like got all in and my fourth grade class, we all like read them at the same time. So at recess, we thought we were demigods and we would like go on quests and like run around. (laughs) Recess quests. Yes, recess quests. And then I just, from there, I feel like over the pandemic, they were just my comfort books. I just would reread them instead of doing homework. I was like, no, I don't want to graduate high school. (laughs) I'll just reread these books. Oh my God. Wait, are you the youngest person who's ever been on Seaweed Brain? I'm 18. So if we don't count Diego and Samuel, which we don't (laughs) count because they're immortal super beings. Yeah, that would make you essentially the youngest person ever to be. I'm so honored. Oh, my gosh. You're the new voice of Gen Z. We will be looking to you throughout this episode for fact checking and trend check. Yeah, credibility. (laughs) Call us out. Okay, I'll represent my generation well. well. (laughs) Okay, here's the thing. For people who don't know, you are a voracious reader. You are involved in the Bookstagram community. Externally from Percy Jackson, what's your favorite regular YA middle grade book? Okay, my favorite book generally is Honey Girl by Morgan Rogers. I just think it's like the best queer found family book that exists. So I love that book. I feel like for YA, my favorite book, that's like a little hard one. Recently, I've been obsessed with Legendborn by Tracy Dion. I just think it's brilliant. There's only one that's out now, but the second one is coming out in like October or something. So like kind of soon. Oh, that's so exciting. We'll link those in the show notes for everybody who is bookstagram inclined. And okay, we have other questions for you. We have other questions. I didn't write them down. Centaur mentor. Oh, Carter. (laughs) Carter is sick, by the way. So I'm sorry if you're hearing more of me than Carter today. (coughs) Boo you. Okay. Will you (laughs) ask that question, Carter? (laughs) Yeah. um, How, when you first were going through these books, did you pronounce the name of the centaur mentor of Camp Half-Blood? Chiron. Slay. Because my older brother was like, it's not Chiron. (laughs) He corrected me real quick. What's your brother's name? Langston. Oh, Langston. He has a big hat because he has the same birthday as Percy. So I feel like (gasps) got to him. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's special. Before we dive into talking about these four Piper chapters, 
the first three chapters are relatively slow, and then the final chapter with Annabeth is very excellent. But before we get into that, Martha, do you want to give us like brief check in on your feelings on Piper? Sure. I have very little feelings on her. I'm going to be honest. I think she's like the least developed of the seven just throughout the book. So I feel like that makes it hard for me to like really decide how I feel about her. But I think in theory, she's super cool. Like if I knew her in real life, I think we'd vibe. But I just think Rick was like lazy writing her. But I think that these chapters were good for her. Like I like these chapters. Wow. Couldn't agree more. We we have not gotten a lot of diversity of opinion up in here lately. <laughs> That's okay. Do you want to cover where we last left off, Carter? Yes. So as you might remember, the last time we were with the Seven, we were in Olympia gagging the goddess of victory with Frank's nasty, nasty sock. Gagging <laughs> me. I am not gagged. I'm gagging. Mm-mm. It wasn't pleasant. Um, that's where we left Most off with that. heinous crime. Literally crying, screaming, and throwing up. I think it's horrible. Despicable. <laughs> We did also have this meeting with the goddess of victory in Olympia, where not only did we kidnap and gag her, but also she laid out the activities for the seven for the rest of this book. They need to, before the actual confrontation with Gaia, basically assemble a way to cheat death. So we're on the first legs of that journey now. We're getting the ingredients, essentially, to cheat death. Is that a fair way of characterizing this? Yeah. For the physician's cure. Yeah. And we are going to Sparta to find the god in chains, whatever that means. We open up on her and Frank in a little side quest that feels like if Frank had a POV in this book, this would be in his (laughs) POV, but he doesn't. So instead, it's like a weird opening to Piper's chapter before her actual side quest that will come later in this POV. All morning, she and Frank had scoured the port of Pylos. Frank allowed only Piper to come with him, thinking her charm speak might be useful if they ran into his shape-shifting relatives. As it turned out, her sword was more in demand. So far, they'd slain a Lastragonian ogre in the bakery, battled a giant warthog in the public square, and defeated a flock of Stymphalian birds with some well-aimed vegetables from Piper's cornucopia. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This quote had me so good until cornucopia because I was like, yes, Piper's here for her sword play. No longer is she just... Fru-fru girl we can make fun of because she has no powers. She's fighting now. She's fighting. She and Frank are together because it's late in the series and we need to actualize some, you know, friendships between um, members of this team that we've never seen interact before. What a rare aesthetic. (laughs) Because why not? I can't imagine a conversation. So awkward. I feel like they'd be fine with it, though. I feel like they, they don't talk a lot. You know, like they mostly sit in silence with each other, go about their respective tasks exchange maybe like three lines (laughs) her like biggest angst in this section is like i should have asked frank to turn into a bird to carry me down this mountain because my feet hurt (laughs) me too i would have done that if i was her i can't lie exactly (laughs) and also her being like i'm glad he's nice because otherwise i'd be scared of him (laughs) (laughs) because we are reminded in every single pov that frank is big now he's huge and he's got a green henley tee on that's form-fitting to his body <laughs> and he's really grown into his bulk the period piece of this all the green henley specifically in 2014 when like that was the mark of being like a moderately ripped guy was it's like oh you wear a henley because like you have some musculature but also like wear glasses or like take showers do you know i was getting a henley confused with a baseball tee but i did just google what a henley is and i'm triggered yeah i have no <laughs> idea what that is i'm good oh no <laughs> period piece yeah it's very um she's so young <laughs> the generational divide so for <laughs> listeners who don't know a henley is a long sleeve shirt with no collar 
that has like maybe two or three buttons running down a little bit. And they're normally always buttoned. So it's like basically a long sleeve shirt with like a cool little mini design, basically, um, right down your uh, sternum. And these, I want to say 2014, right? Every boy who was our age, who was like, oh, I would like to wear clothes. Be fashion. This is what they had. This was <laughs> their idea of like creative masculine fashion for like several years of our like mid teenagerhood. And so Frank was wearing it too. It's really unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that little fashion history we just dove into. Thank you, Carter. <laughs> oh, yes. So this is the portion of this that feels like it should have been in Frank's POV. Um, but we're here because he went to go see his fellow descendants of Periclimanus, the ones who shapeshift, a descendant from the Argonaut. This is on page 171. My grandmother told me I would close the circle, bring our family honor and all that. But my cousins here, they acted kind of cold and distant, like they didn't want me around. I don't think they liked that I'm a son of Mars. Honestly, I don't think they liked that I'm Chinese either. That's a moment. Like, not to brush past that moment. That's a real, that's a real moment for Frank. This is a big deal for him. Yeah. This is the family's whole thing that they like went from Greece slash Rome, like all the way across the world to Canada. And he is finally... He's the first one to return to Greece, right? And their family, mm -hmm. ancestral homecoming and all of that. And it didn't go that well. That's real. That's a yeah. an important story to tell about, you know. Your distant relatives. Your distant relatives <laughs> about like reconnecting to diasporic homelands, reconnecting being in quotes here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the way that he comes down <laughs> off the hill and he's like, well, nothing terrible happened, but also it wasn't great. <laughs> it was a little awkward and like maybe some stuff was said that was a little inappropriate but that i felt like that was a vibe like yeah <laughs> but we're gonna go we're gonna move past it and piper's gonna be like hey frank it's okay you are valid and screw those guys good good friends so they may have been slightly microaggressive towards frank but they did give him what he needed which was the pelosian mint which is a poison that is supposedly also part of the physician's cure that is so mysterious and doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> the Pelosian mint has a backstory in Metamorphosis and is mentioned in other places. Minthe was a nymph who Hades fell in love with, was very into. So Persephone, possibly Demeter, depending on what you read, transformed this nymph into a mint plant. Mint was also used to mask the smell of dead bodies during funeral rites in ancient Greece, which may be a reason it became sacred to Hades and is involved in this myth. So regarding the physician's cure, if anybody else has ever researched this <laughs> and wants to jump in here, I was very confused about this. I completely forgot about it, first of all. Completely forgot it happened because I forgot everything that had to do with Leo's arc <laughs> until I reread Blood of Olympus a couple weeks ago. But I was like 99% sure that Rick invented this because I've never heard of it before. And I had to do like deep Googling to like come up with a place that it's mentioned in myths. But <laughs> it does get mentioned in Rick's Percy Jackson and the Greek Gods book that like <laughs> we don't talk about where he like wrote a myth collection, like he wrote his own Delaire's. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And he didn't call it Rick Riordan's myths. He called it Percy Jackson's myths because it's all in Percy's POV. It's very cute. But he talks about the cure being used by the god of healing in a myth titled Artemis Unleashes the Death Pig. So if you want to read that, you can go out and grab yourself an illegal PDF of the Percy Jackson's <laughs> Greek gods and read that myth for a little bit more backstory. Did anyone, did the physician's cure make sense to anyone else? Sorry, I'm so stuck on this. No, like, was I this think, confusing? 
I literally, I still don't get it. And this is like my fourth time reading the book. I feel like <laughs> it's so forgettable. And then all of a sudden it's like, just kidding. This is actually like super important. And I just have no idea what's going on with it. Yeah. It's not just that it's weird as a plot device. It's that when Nike is laying it out, I don't know about you all. I was so confused. I was like, she was just saying things. And now we've somehow translated that into really concrete, actionable stops and mini quests. And it's like, where were we when that happened? Like, are we not going to have another like team meeting? When do we decide we're going to do this Frank mini quest? Yeah. Yeah. Mini quests just seem to appear out of the air after she just rambled a little bit. As we've said, though, they do kind of just blindly go for it. And they're like, eh, which is the whole mood of this book. And (laughs) I do enjoy that. At the end of this Piper POV, Piper and Annabeth are going to be like, how does this work with the cure and they're gonna be like eh we'll find out when it happens (laughs) so piper and frank get back to the boat piper thinks about how uh she's scared of frank a but b that (laughs) she's grateful to frank for taking over jason's job which is real because now they have a possibility that jason and piper can actually move to camp half-blood and have a bit of a life there and there's a bit of a there's a bit of persabeth dialogue on 174 martha do you want to read it Oh, sure. I would love to. (laughs) The crew gathered for a hurried meeting on the foredeck, mostly because Percy was keeping an eye on a giant red sea serpent swimming off the port side. That thing is really red, Percy muttered. I wonder if it's cherry flavored. Why don't you swim over and find out? Annabeth asked. How about no? Adorable. Oh, droplets of (laughs) that we savor in this book. This is the little meeting that we get where they talk about how they're going to go find this like chained god and how it's probably Ares because the Spartans had a chained statue of Ares because they thought that that would help them in battle. And Percy's like, well, if it's Ares, maybe I should go because like Ares and I have tangled before when he was 12. Mm. That's such a flex. He's like, guys, I got this. Like I beat him once. (laughs) Shout out to that. I love that for him, honestly. Yeah. And Annabeth is like, no, it's going to be me and it's going to be Piper. At one point, Percy's also like, yeah, well, me and Jason could just go. And Annabeth's like, so you think two boys could do better than two girls? (laughs) Percy goes, no. I mean, no. But (laughs) me and my bro Jason could go tangle with Aries, bro. Shut up. Shut up. When did you become a 17 year old boy? I hate it. Okay. Yes, we pivot, though, from this to Piper throughout this set of her narration, especially in the beginning. We never experienced this with her, but apparently at some point before she started narrating her portion of the story, she's been having visions of Aphrodite. We get, like, vague quotes from them. It's not super clear what the warnings are about. They're about sacrifices she has to make. Some of them are maybe about Jason and the injury that he suffered when they were on Ojigia. Sorry, not Ojigia. Ithaca getting my mythical islands mixed up (laughs) we we get this line dropped in that she must bridge the gap between greek and roman because neither storm nor fire can succeed without her okay sure (laughs) i hate that we didn't just get to see this conversation between her and her mom she's just like oh yeah she keeps saying these things to me and they're like coming back to her it's kind of weird yeah it's like a really bizarre choice to not just included i don't understand why she needed instead she needed to walk down the side of the cliff with frank so there were other important (laughs) things to do air of mystery i guess something something. that leads us though into this conversation between um piper and jason which is brief because 
Lord knows Buford the Table (laughs) will come find them and shut that shit down. Buford the Table said boys and girls cannot be in rooms together. Buford the Table said leave room for Jesus and keep the door cracked. So that's what they do. Buford the Table literally is quoted as saying put your clothes back on. Whoa. Whoa. Buford's doing what he's got to do to keep everyone safe here. Keep the drama to a minimum as well, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need the drama of all that. Um, <laughs> I just feel like one of the most cursed things of all of Heroes of Olympus is these Piper Jason conversations. We've talked about them every time they've come up, every time they hurt me, every time they don't make sense to me. This is no exception. We'll have original takes on them when they change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's getting a little bit better because they're both a little bit more human than they were in their first book. They're a little bit more fully realized. And I like Jason more. Better than Lost Hero. That's like a low bar. (laughs) But the weird part about this is why are we trying to make Dark Jason a thing? All of a sudden, it's Dark Jason. And I'm like, where did Dark Jason come from? Jason's like, I don't know. Like, what if I make the wrong choice? And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Where did this come from? We were just... (laughs) We just went through this whole book of Jason being like, I'm going to step back. And that's my big choice is to step back. So where is this coming from with like, he's going to make a mistake and all of that? I guess it's from his mom. He met the ghost of his mother who like did not help to raise him. And he's like, oh, maybe, I don't know. His logic does not make sense to me. I guess he's saying like, oh, maybe this woman who did not actually raise me genetically passed down the bad choices gene or something i I don't really follow no sorry to jason like i'm sure this must be real for him he sounds like he's kind of going through it but also like i don't believe that this is this crisis really seems like it is coming out of nowhere and i am not even a little bit anxious about jason making making the wrong choice this man is still in his boldest moments milk toast you know like it's not like his great journey was about flavor a little bit of spice that's like what (laughs) piper is his little bit of spice he doesn't have anything else going on that's interesting about him he just learned how to make a choice i don't think he's gonna make like a choice that's gonna end the world frankly i also don't think that this would make a lot more sense if we knew just a smidgen more about Ms. Grace, Jason's mother, and Talia's mom. Jason and her never really had a relationship, so I guess that can't come from him. But if we heard more about it from Talia, that would make more sense. Because then we'd have more of an understanding of what this thing is that he's scared he genetically inherited from her. But to soothe him, Piper Piper gives him a, a folktale, a myth, a Cherokee hunting story. Delightful fable. A great inclusion. It doesn't make sense that it's here because... I don't understand why Jason's having this problem, but I like the inclusion of it from Rick. (laughs) It's summarized in the book if you want to go back and read it. Briefly, the story is that they're two friends. One of them can't eat squirrels. One of them is eating squirrels. And the friend who can't eat squirrels is like, oh, I'm so hungry, but I shouldn't eat the squirrels. And then he does eat the squirrel and then he turns into a snake because the snake was always inside him waiting to be unleashed if he ate squirrels. I just don't think Jason has a snake inside him. No, he has like a worm at best. There's no snake. (laughs) He's got a tapeworm, maybe. I'm reminded again of the great and ancient proverb. I don't know among which circles this is a thing. Are you all familiar with the like motivational quote poster or whatever thing that's saying like there are two wolves inside you? No. One of them is gay, the other one is gay. You are gay. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I've never heard that before, but... (laughs) I do vaguely remember this. Inside you, there are two wolves. That's the way it's phrased. One is gay, the other is gay. You, you are, are gay. gay. <laughs> so true, bestie. <laughs> There's also one that says, inside you there are two wolves. One has depression, the other has depression, you have depression. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, okay. <laughs> 2010 memes. Uh, well, anyway, Dark Jason is never going to happen, so stop making it happen. None of us are afraid of this. Um, <laughs> Piper's not either. At the end of the scene, Jason's like, hey, Pipes, don't worry about me. And Piper's like, I'm not worried about you. And then we just, we're done. Piper's like, yeah, I'm not worried about you. That's the point. That's a literal quote from the book. That is word for word what she said. <laughs> Please, Lord, let this end. <laughs> I'm yet to find a Jiper shipper to come onto this podcast. What if I said I'm a Jiper shipper? I want to hear, I want to hear about it. No, no, no. I'm, I'm oh. <laughs> <laughs> The jump scare. <laughs> I was about to put my respectful voice on. Uh, <laughs> People have sent us messages before, but keep sending us messages because I'm not convinced yet. Did I tell you that my sister was at one point in her um, early, early life a Jiper shipper because she first yes. read The Lost Hero when she was like nine? And she was like, oh, couple. I guess this is what love is. The formation of a couple looks like. It was bad. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, so Piper goes back to her own room because Buford would not permit anything else. And she has a nightmare, um, starts at the Acropolis, as all the giants are gathering there. It's kind of silly and fun. We get a review of all their names. They're taking bets about how the world is going to end. <laughs> a couple new giants drop here, notably Thune, who is wandering in here to kill the three fates. All kinds of giants dropping here. Also, there's a giantess. We get our first girl giant. We need more female giants. Sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Haven't you ever thought that maybe we could have a girl giant trying to destroy the world? I hope the sarcasm <laughs> reads properly. Um, yeah, <laughs> when this gets posted on the internet. Yes. Also, the giants know everything. They know that the demigods are planning to sail around the peninsula. Confirmed again, the gods have no gift of prophecy. Apollo's been kicked out. We'll see him shortly. But that's part of their plan, you know? When Gaia rules the world, they said fate versus determinism. No more prophecies. No more futures foretold. We will make our own destiny. So, yeah, not quite enough to develop them as good villains. But <laughs> I appreciate a little thing I can empathize with them on. We also, in this description, I don't know what possesses him but like as he's doing this rick gives a long detailed description of the different braids and or dreadlocks that every single giant oh, has oh why what i don't understand what's going on ah uh, yeah i'm like where were the sensitivity readers during that it's just unnecessary it is it's giving very much like the orcs in lord of the rings and very very tired fantasy tropes there were no sensitivity readers mm -mm. Anyway, the one piece of future information that we get out of this, other than Thune's whole deal, is that um, someone is waiting for them, specifically the giant Mimas in Sparta. So that's going to be the final mini quest for this section. We're going to go try to unleash the heart of the chained god, defeating Mimas in the process. And this is where Percy's like, me and my bro Jason can just go. <laughs> Piper and Annabeth begin their quest here and this is the real this is the real meat and potatoes the real the real excellent part of this pov never have they hung out this much ever that mm -hmm. we've seen we know that they have a relationship because for that period of time that son of neptune takes place where everyone bonded at camp half-blood i assume that included a bit of piper and annabeth hanging out although annabeth was very distracted about percy being gone on page 191 there begins a long section of dialogue between the two of them that I think we should read all of. <laughs> Someone 
can be Piper and someone can be Annabeth and someone can read as the narrator. I'll do like the stage directions, the narration. Okay. Carter, you can be Annabeth. A little side note, for a while my mom banned me from reading these books because I didn't know Roman numerals. And she was like, you have to learn Roman numerals before you can keep reading. Because I wouldn't know like the chapters. I was like, I don't know what they mean. And she oh was my like, God. figure it out before you keep reading the book. That's really funny. In the most loving way. <laughs> and now I know Roman numerals. So I guess That's I how you educate your children. Shout out to that. <laughs> wow. Your mom's amazing. Shout out to your mom. <laughs> Okay, I, I have my place. I'm ready. Okay. It's a teledrama. It's a radio play. Okay. <laughs> she fingered the red coral pendant on her necklace, a gift from Percy when they started dating. You're thinking about Percy. Piper guessed. Annabeth nodded. Since she'd come back from Tartarus, Annabeth had told Piper a lot of scary things that had happened down there. At the top of her list, Percy controlling a tide of poison and suffocating the goddess Oculus. He seems to be adjusting, Piper said. He's smiling more often. You know he cares about you more than ever. Annabeth sat, her face suddenly pale. I don't know why it's hitting me so hard all of a sudden. I can't quite get that memory out of my head. How Percy looked when he was standing at the edge of chaos. Maybe Piper was just picking up on Annabeth's uneasiness, but she started to feel agitated as well. She thought about what Jason had said last night. Part of me wanted to close my eyes and stop fighting. She had tried her best to reassure him, but she still worried. Like that Cherokee hunter who changed into a serpent, all demigods had their share of bad spirits inside. Fatal flaws. Some crises brought them out. Some lines shouldn't be crossed. If that was true for Jason, how could it not be true for Percy? The guy had literally been through hell and back. Even when he wasn't trying, he made the toilets explode. What would Percy be like if he wanted to act scary? Give him time. She sat next to Annabeth. The guy is crazy about you. You've been through so much together. I know... Annabeth's gray eyes reflected the green of the olive trees. It's just Bob the Titan. He warned me there would be more sacrifices ahead. I wanted to believe we can have a normal life someday. But I allowed myself to hope for that last summer after the Titan War. Then Percy disappeared for months. Then we fell into that pit. A tear traced its way down her cheek. Piper, if you'd seen the face of the god Tartarus, all swirling darkness, devouring monsters and vaporizing them, I've never felt so helpless. I try not to think about it. Piper took her friend's hands. They were trembling badly. She remembered her first day at Camp Half-Blood, when Annabeth had given her a tour. Annabeth had been shaken up about Percy's disappearance, and though Piper was pretty disoriented and scared herself, comforting Annabeth had made her feel needed, like she might actually have a place among these crazy powerful demigods. Annabeth Chase was the bravest person she knew. If even she needed a shoulder to cry on once in a while, well, Piper was glad to offer hers. Hey, don't try to shut out the feelings. You won't be able to. Just let them wash over you and drain out again. You're scared. Gods, yes, I'm scared. You're angry. At Percy for frightening me. At my mom for sending me on that horrible quest in Rome. At, well, pretty much everybody. Gaia, the giants, the gods for being jerks. At me? Annabeth managed a shaky laugh. Yes, for being so annoyingly calm. It's all a lie. And for being a good friend. Ha. Huh. And for having your head on straight about guys and relationships and- I'm sorry, have you met me? Annabeth punched her arm, but there was no force to it. I'm stupid sitting here talking about my feelings when we have a quest to finish. <laughs> okay, 
I have so many thoughts about that. Those readings for Piper's parts were really um a choice. And the choice I was getting from that was <laughs> um lesbianism, let's say that. Um, <laughs> I wasn't even trying to land that action. It just came out of me. Okay. I feel many ways. I feel on one hand, yes, girlfriends. I feel on the other hand, this is not how girls talk to each other. And Rick (laughs) had no hope. No hope of knowing how girls talk to each other. But at least he tried. And I'm grateful that we have this scene. (laughs) When Piper's like, Percy loves you. And Annabeth is so clearly like, that's not what I'm concerned about. Like, <laughs> you were there when he bloodbent the goddess of poison. I'm worried about what he's going to do to me. Like, <laughs> the disconnect is so funny because Piper is so projecting this, like, no, Pi- like, Percy likes you, right? Like, you guys like each other. That's how relationship, that's like the only concern in a relationship, right? Is like if we like each other. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's bad for her. Um. It kills me when it's like, you have your head straight on about guys in relationships. And I'm like, I yeah, like what that. is that? <laughs> Where is that coming also, from? Also, she does not. No. Is it because she's a child of Aphrodite? Like, is that what Annabeth is trying to imply? Like, if so, unclear. I think Annabeth is like searching for a way to compliment her. And like searching for a way to like validate the fact that Piper is trying to be emotionally supportive. And this is the way that she feels is appropriate to do that, maybe? I think Rick is searching for a way to girl talk. And (laughs) this is what he landed on. You have your head straight on about guys and relationships. Is that even an idiom? Also, (laughs) let's let's even pause on that. You have your head straight (laughs) on about what? He made that up. He had to make it up. It feels very like middle school sleepover. Written by a man. <laughs> Middle school sleepover, written by a man. Anyway, thank you all for indulging me in that. After that delightful chat between two gal pals, girlfriends if you will, Piper decides to jump into a steaming pit. And Annabeth is not too happy about it. Because Annabeth likes plans, if you'll recall. She's a planner. <laughs> and she's like, Piper McLean, that was without a doubt the dumbest risk I've ever seen anyone take. And I date a dumb risk taker. So I was like, oh. You like dumb risk takers? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) But that's basically the recurring theme for the section. It's Piper doing increasingly impulsive things. And every time her justification is like, I don't think you understand, Annabeth. This mini quest is not about plans. It's about emotions. So you just sort of have to like do what you feel and like speak your truth. And it's like that for a chapter. You know what I mean? (laughs) I loved it. Okay, but I loved it because this is the first time that Piper has really gotten, aside for, I don't know, if you count her like waking Festus, making him live with love. But this is one of the first times that she's really leaning into this aspect of Aphrodite that is emotion. And then they make like a little dialectic between the two of them uh, where Piper Mm -hmm. is like, you got to lead with your gut and just go with your feelings. And like she says to her in their conversation, let the feelings wash over you. Don't act like they're not happening. And Annabeth being like, no, we need to plan. Otherwise, there's no way we're going to get out of here. Also, this isn't rational, etc. Because it does turn out that Mimas, the giant, is waiting there for them. But Piper's going to defeat him with sheer dumb risk-taking. Also because of the fact that being in this place, which they figure out is not only a shrine to Ares, but a temple of fear. Whoa, whoa. It's like making them see and re-experience some of their worst memories, which... 
Piper realizes for Annabeth means like she's reliving Tartarus and all of that awful stuff. And so Annabeth is kind of down for the count on this one. So Piper really gets to take the lead. I wish there were a lot more moments like this with Piper. I feel like you get to see a lot more about her. And I feel like that's just better than every other battle scene she's had so far, which is cool. Yeah, I find this to be like a really big moment for her where she realizes that one of her strengths is following her feelings and that on page 206 she says fear can't be reasoned with neither can hate they're like love they're almost identical emotions that's why aries and aphrodite like each other their twin sons fear and panic respond from both war and love this is a big moment she's realizing a lot about like her powers and her heritage and she's really discovering her own emotional intelligence i think it is a nice reflection of piper's strengths i do feel that nevertheless the mechanics of this do not totally make sense to me which is frustrating because i think that a lot of the lessons that we're trying to have about what makes piper strong are valuable some of the things make sense to me where she's like i have like a good sense for how to tap into the power of the fear god whose temple we're in sure that i follow some of these other things where she's like oh like if i shout our emotional truth into the void we will have a better shot at defeating the giant i'm a little less clear on the mechanics of which i feel is not a way to discredit the emotional journey that they're on and piper showing these strengths or like the fact that they are strengths to begin with right because they got kind of just running around screaming like i'm scared until piper realizes that phobos and deimos are part of the physician's cure Rick refers to them as Makai, spirits of battle and combat, which was also a little bit confusing because I think typically Phobos and Deimos aren't the spirits of battle and combat. They are just associated with the spirits of battle and combat, many of which have separate names in the myths. Piper, she's like, Annabeth, please distract the giant. I'm going to make a sacrifice to Phobos and Deimos. She lays out her cornucopia and then she decides, I guess, like her emotional gut is telling her to cut off the statue's head of Ares. So that's what she does. And then flames roared up around the statue's severed neck. They swirled around Piper, filling the room with a firestorm of emotions, hatred, bloodlust, and fear, but also love because no one could face battle without caring for something. Comrades, family, home. The military-industrial complex. Piper held out <laughs> her arms, and the Makai made her into the center of their whirlwind. We will answer your call, they whispered in her mind. Once, only when you need us, destruction, waste, carnage shall answer. We shall complete your cure. To which Annabeth and Piper are kind of like, okay, we'll figure it out when we get there. Like, like, Radiant secured, I guess. And they defeat the giant with the help of Phobos and Deimos. Also, shout out, finally, we've been waiting so long. The cornucopia is gone. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Good riddance. I'll see that in hell. <laughs> Carter's in the field of punishment, just like wielding the cornucopia. Shooting mangoes. Be rolling the we'll cornucopia forever up an unending sure. hill. Like, Sartre's no exit is about me and the cornucopia, you know? <laughs> Trapped together in a room for all eternity. I will just be a hater and the cornucopia will be like shooting things at me and I'll still be a hater. And in that way, we will torture each other for eternity. I love that for you guys. That's so sweet. <laughs> Enemies to lovers. <laughs> um, Phobos and Amos also help them escape. And that's the end of that POV. Okay, final thoughts. Final thoughts about this. There was a lot of confusing plot points we had to cover. Anything else about the relationship between Annabeth and Piper? 
I want more of the two of them talking in like a less weird way, just maybe like more of a casual conversation I feel like would be cool to see or like the stakes aren't so high because all the plot points kind of got in the way I think of their conversation for me a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think now that we've had this mini quest where it's really established that Piper is leading and she has things to offer Annabeth and that they're both acknowledging that. I would like to see this manifest in future conversations that are not about having anyone's head straight on about boys or whatever. But based on what happens here, like we should have more conversations in which Piper is trying to take over and Annabeth is like helping her to like assume positions of leadership in their quest based on this experience, based on the fact that she seems to like trust and respect Piper. And also based on the fact that we're seeing with Annabeth, as we've seen with Percy in past POVs, like sort of recently, that, you know, the trauma of Tartarus is really taking a toll on them. And they just cannot and should not be doing as many things as they were doing before. That would be nice, Ronnie. It would make sense. It would be good for children to see and reflect upon, I think. We talked about in the previous episode that hasn't been released yet, um, that like Percy is chronically ill now. He has a bunch of chronic illnesses. He's exhausted. He can only do so much. And it's the same for Annabeth, right? Where she's like, I can only do so much before I am thrown back into the trauma of Tartarus and I am exhausted emotionally and physically and I have to let other people take the lead on certain things, which is nice to see. Yeah. I feel like that's a nice like message also for kids reading. I don't think I picked up on it when I was younger, but I think that it's kind of there. Like, it's okay to yield. And then for Piper, it's like, even if you didn't think you had the, you know, capabilities to lead, you can, and you can like step up. Yeah. Yeah, because Annabeth is the leader, right? We've talked about that. The true leader of everything is always Annabeth. She runs Camp Half-Blood. She is the leader everyone looks to. This makes me think about Athena versus Ares and how they're very different because one is the god of war, one is the goddess of battle strategy, but they're both smart when it comes to battle in different ways. And Piper falls more on the side of, Aphrodite, Aries, war, love, emotions. It's possible for you to lead with something other than strategy. Piper didn't really know that until now. So now that she does know that, maybe she'll feel more confident in herself to take control. Mm -hmm. All right. Anything else? Any other things before we close this one out? That's it for me. Seven seconds of silence. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Wait, sorry. One last shout out. Seven seconds of silence. Works every time. It works every time. Good pedagogy. Um, (laughs) Delightful little detail from this final chapter. Um, We get the weirdest spoil of war that we've had to date. I feel like. Have we had one weirder than this? When they defeat the giant Mimas, one of the early blows is that they cut off his ear with a bunch of his hair attached to it. And that's a spoil of war. It lingers behind this gigantic ear i just love that i don't think we'll be seeing the ear again but it was fun while it lasted mm-hmm. yeah it's a little quirky i've been reading magnus chase and magnus chase is way bloodier and gorier than all of the percy books so the ear did not phase me remotely because in magnus chase they are getting splattered with blood like they were playing paintball so what? yeah and so the blood were paint in paintball. yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay it's really i won't spoil magnus chase but i'm loving it We'll be back next week with Martha again for Reina's POV. Do you want to plug your socials, Martha? Sure. Follow my Bookstagram account at Booksmarty. It's like Booksmart with a Y. I post a lot about YA books, so if you're into that, give a follow. Give a follow. That's a command. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.